Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, how to know when you're ready for your big break. It's an important question to ponder because let's face it, the world is full of people you don't remember who flamed out because they weren't ready. And it's very hard to get a second chance, particularly in this arena, but it's not impossible. My guest for this episode is Cami Crawford, who is a television and podcast host, content creator, genuine influencer, model, body positivity activist, and former Miss Teen USA. Cami tells the honest story of the first time we met sometime around 2012. It was an audition for E! and unbeknownst to me, Cami was a puddle of tears on her way to my office, but she wasn't sure why she was crying. Here I have to pause for a second and tell you, Cami made an enormous impression on me that day. I still remember her walking in the door and introducing herself. She had, and she still has, that ineffable quality, that it factor, but she wasn't ready for her TV break yet. It's really poignant and Cami tells the story beautifully. FYI, as you're listening to this episode, I'd like you to think about the difference between knowing when you're not ready and then making smart strategic decisions, as you'll hear Cami did, versus the analysis paralysis that comes when we're overthinking versus getting stuck in your fear. We hear so much about feeling your fear and doing it anyway, which can be really helpful when it is the fear talking, but you need to know how to check in and connect with yourself in order to know the difference. One exercise I recommend in order to tell the difference is simply to get quiet with yourself, meditate, go for a walk, do your breathing exercises, and feel where in your body this is showing up. If you feel it in your belly, that's your intuition, so listen to it. If you feel it in your chest or your throat like a heavy weight or tightness, that's your fear, and you can talk yourself through it, first by acknowledging it and then by speaking it or journaling it. And just doing these things will reduce your fear to something manageable that you can control. In Cammie's case, she took action when she accepted that she wasn't ready. She played to one of her strengths, her incredible work ethic, and trained hard to develop her on-camera skills and deepen her connection with herself, the camera, and the audience. By the time Cammie auditioned for Catfish on MTV, she blew them away. Her confidence was through the roof and she owned it. There was no one else who could step into that role like she could. And Cammie quickly became a fan favorite. Welcome, my love. I am so happy to see your face. You have no idea. (laughs) This is like the best part of my year so far, truly, because I've missed you so much. I miss you. Just to give everybody a little background, when I met Cammie 10 years ago-ish, I was a college student. Yeah. Crazy. Making it happen. And um, and we're going to get into that in the notion of connection, but also incredible work ethic. Thank you. Really strong goals. You're a perfect example of the idea of like sticking with it, really listening, taking feedback, focusing on mastery and making connections. So talk to me why, about why you chose that as your word. I chose connection because it was one of the first really big notes that you gave me (laughs) during our sessions. I have to preface this with, you know, I came to you first because there was a audition for a role on E! News. And I don't, did I ever tell you the backstory of when I was on my way to that audition with you? No. 
Oh my God. Okay. So I hopped in a yellow cab. First of all, E! News, like that was my dream job. That's all I wanted in this entire world. You knew that after the fact, but like there was nothing more that I wanted in this world. And as a TV host, and now that I'm living in LA, I see that that's, that was like everybody's dream was to be on E! News. And, you know, at the time I, there was nothing more that I could have wanted. And the fact that the audition kind of fell into my lap, somebody introduced me to you and was like, she's doing this casting, you should do it. And I was like, oh my God, this is everything I've ever wanted in some. And I'm in the cab on my way to you. And I start bawling my eyes out, like crying, like <laughs> full on crying. I call my mom. I call my grandma. They're like praying with me on the phone. I'm crying. I'm like, this is going to be horrible. Like I'm already starting off on the wrong foot. And then I got to you. We did the audition. And that was when you were like, I'm not going to send this in. I think we still have some work to do. I think you're incredible. I think that you could be the next Hoda Kotb. That's what you told me. And I was like, oh, my God, Hoda. And you were like, I'm not submitting this because we just aren't there yet. And that meant so much to me because had I submitted then, who knows if I would have been able to even go back years later to audition for something else. What I realized is the reason why I was in tears on my way to this audition was because I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. And I didn't have any of the tools that it would have taken me if I did book that job, which I wasn't going to um, because I lacked connection. But <laughs> if I had booked it, I wouldn't have been ready for it. And I realize that now, but that's that's the backstory. But the reason why I chose the word connection was because once we did start our sessions together, that was my biggest struggle was creating connection with whoever was on the other side of the camera because of my pageant training, you know, we're taught to be very 50-50 and very uh, politically correct and, you know, diplomatic about all things. And it was very, very difficult for me to be able to make a connection with m myself through the camera, let alone somebody else, because I didn't know who I was talking to. I was talking to some 50-50 person out there in the universe that, you know, doesn't have an opinion. And it's not like, that's not a real person. So, that's why I chose that word because it was my biggest struggle and obstacle. And now it's something that I do every single day on TV, on catfish and on socials. And I've just really kind of dove headfirst into creating connections with the people that I'm talking to on my podcast everywhere. So it was my biggest struggle. And then it became pretty much the thing that I do every single day. And it's because of you. Oh, okay. Well, I, that, that's like the kindest, sweetest thing. But that was such a beautiful, powerful introduction. I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed just like even processing that and getting to that point. It's like when you understood, just for clarity for one second, can you explain what the 50-50 person is? So basically, you know, when you are in pageants, the, the kind of overall rule is like you don't want to offend anybody. So you have to always remain 50-50. You have to see both sides of the coin at all times because, you know, you could have a strong opinion about climate change, but you're supposed to be the people's queen. So you need to have opinions that reach everyone. And it took me a while to realize and break down and through most of our sessions, which were actually therapy sessions. Um, <laughs> that was before you got your life coaching certification. <laughs> so you were already on a roll. You're doing great. <laughs> 
I was your first client. Um, but it took me a while to realize that like, no, I can have a strong opinion about one thing and that can be right. And somebody else's opinion can be right for them, but it doesn't take away from the fact that this is my opinion and I can speak on it. If I'm going to speak on it, I'm going to speak in a way that is, you know, well-educated about the topic and has some feeling behind it versus that 50-50 person that's like, well, you know, and there are some things that you can see both sides on, but then there are other things that there is no other side. And it's okay to just say, this is how I feel about this and move forward in that direction. I really want to comment just for listeners and circle back to this though, is something you just brought up is that when we talk to everyone in a hyper niche world, we talk to no one, especially mm-hmm. if we're coming from a, a fear of causing offense, as opposed to coming from a place of being feeling empowered because I want to make an impact, which is a total different energetic shift. If I can, I want to say, well, first of all, just applaud. Like Again, it's what I said in the intro. It's like your incredible work ethic and your hard work and the leaning in. But I really saw your voice emerged in a whole new way two summers ago during Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Yeah. That was a time when I felt like there was no other option but to speak out. I think that, you know, being in the industry and the fact that I have been working at this through entertainment and modeling and all those things from starting with Miss Teen USA when I was 17. And I went through so many different microaggressions and so many different things where I wish that I would have stood up and said something. And I wish that I would have expressed the opinions that I had then. It got to the point where I was like, okay, be the change you want to see. Like start talking about these things. And it's not enough to just be an influencer or a person with influence. It's not enough to just have, you know, the platform that I have being on the show. Like, what are you doing with it? Because if you're going to be an influencer, like you need to influence some kind of change. And, you know, even just getting older and like knowing that my sisters are watching me and I want to have kids someday and I want to know that they know that I stood up for something for them that's going to benefit them as they get older and grow up. And there was just no other option. There was no other choice. I had to use my voice. And the fact that I have a platform that does have a mixed demographic, I was like, okay, well, if you're going to be following me, this is what I'm talking about. So if you like it, then stick around. If you don't, then that's too damn bad. <laughs> that's how it became. That's, that's, that's how it started. And I didn't even mean to necessarily be an advocate. This is just my life. And so I was affected by it. And there was nothing else worth talking about to me. Because if I have to be If I'm going to be and have a platform and have a brand that is me being unapologetically myself and authentic, then I need to speak on the things that are heavy on my heart at the time. And that was one of them. I couldn't wake up and just get out of bed without feeling the heaviness. So if I'm going to feel it, then I'm going to talk about it. How does it feel to stand in your power? Incredible. Incredible. And that's why I say like, After you unleashed that beast, like after you opened Pandora's box for me of being my authentic self and realizing that that was good enough and that the people who are going to buy in are going to buy in and the people who are going to log out are going to log out, it changed everything for me. Like once you give a person, let alone a woman, let alone a black woman, her voice, oh, forget it. (laughs) I'm never going back. I could never go back. It's the only way. It's the only way. That's why now when people are like, would you ever compete in another pageant? I'm like, oh, no, no, honey. I'm too far gone. (laughs) I'm way too far gone. (laughs) 
50-50 is out the window. You know, one of the things I mentioned in my intro is that connection is one of my seven C's, but I want to talk about it because it was so powerful in your intro that you had the self-awareness, the connection to yourself to understand that you weren't ready. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most incredible things anybody's ever said on the podcast because... Um, we rarely stop and talk about that because there's a lot of, you know, important cheerleading, like, yes, you can, you go do it. But sometimes, um, we don't allow ourselves the space to stop and think about that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I read something really great today was the idea that not to confuse or conflate caution with fear. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's what you're doing. It's like, you know what, I'm just not ready. And to own that was amazing. So that's the self-awareness and that's the connection to yourself. But among the other connections, one, you know, is obviously connection to the camera. And once you start to understand yourself better and who you were talking to, any of us, we all start to connect better with the camera. But I want to come back to catfish because you connected with the material. Yeah. And I've never seen anyone <laughs> better suited for a show. So you could please share the story because it's so good. Cause not only like you're so phenomenal on the show Thank because you. you're like, like a catfish savant. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Naturally very nosy, naturally very curious. Um, but with I, opinions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember even when I got the job, I texted you and I was like, I cannot believe it took seven years for me to get that job. Like for me to get the job, it took seven years. And had I not spent every single last one of those years working on my craft and developing and, you know, trying new things and who knows, failing, who knows, like whatever it was, had I not taken that journey, I wouldn't have been ready for this big of a platform and this big of a show and a show that was literally created for me. Cause I remember spending a lot of time, being like, when is this going to happen? Even up until the week that I booked Catfish just as a guest host, um, how that even began was I was going through my quarter century life crisis. Um, I had turned 25 and I was like, what am I doing with my life? I am never going to be on TV. I need to just hang it up and like go get a nine to five or like go work at a magazine or something. I like fashion. Like that could, that could work for me. And I was talking myself out of my dreams. Um, just because I I just felt like, you know, why hasn't it happened already? Like it should have already happened. I'm great. Miss Barbara thinks I'm amazing. My mom thinks I'm fantastic. (laughs) Why haven't I already gotten this big gig? And it it was like, I ended up booking catfish. They reached out to me. I got like a cold email from someone in their casting department at the production company. And I was like, this doesn't feel real. Like this feels like I'm being catfish, but you know, I'm just going to go with it. And, um, at the time I was considering a move to LA from New York where I had been for eight years. And I felt like I was like losing my mind, quarter century life crisis, moving across the country away from my family. I was like, what are you doing? Like, what are, what are you even thinking? You know? Um, because at 25, I thought that I knew everything, of course. And I get this email and I'm I'm like delusional. Like I'm preparing for a move that I didn't want to make because I was like, this is what I have to do for my career. I think. I don't know. And I get the email. They're like, yeah, we're going to fly you out to Iowa City uh, to do this episode. You're going to guest co-host two episodes if you'd like. Come through. And I was like okay, whatever. I'm thinking the whole thing's fake until I got to Iowa. Even when I got to Iowa, I met with all the producers and everybody. And I was like, oh, this is funny. 
it's a funny joke. Like, I don't, I don't know. I was just, was not in my body. Like I felt like I was hovering over my body and it wasn't until the following day when we are apparently filming the episode, I'm over at the snack table, like eating grapes and Neve walks in and I was shook. I was like, this isn't real. Like I'm being punked. Like (laughs) this is not real. And my heart shot through my chest. I was like, Oh, holy shit. Like what, what is actually happening? And then it went away and it was just like, this is the most natural thing that I think I've ever done and been a part of. And it didn't feel like work. It just felt like I was just being myself the whole way. And I remember even, um, I think I guest co-hosted like six episodes before they asked me to be the permanent co-host because they were trying out a bunch of other people at the time. And I remember going to the producers every once in a while and being like, is it okay that I said that? Like, that's how I feel. But like, does that sound bad? And they were like, no, say whatever you want. Say everything that you want to say. They never held me back. They never told me what to say, what to do. I could literally just be my unfiltered self. And it resonated with the viewers because they were like, you say exactly what I'm thinking. And that's the best compliment I think that you can get as a host, especially in the space that I'm in, is like the connection, being able to make those connections and being able to be that person that people are like, okay, you know, I'm thinking it, but I know Cammy's going to say it. And it it means a lot. And it's, it's crazy that it happened this way. And it feels like, it feels like a, a fairy tale <laughs> to just be contacted about being on one of your favorite shows. And then to be on it full time is just insanity. I love everything you just said, but I want to point that out is no, but it's easy to forget sometimes in the role of hosting because we get caught up in the doing, which is a lot, right? It's like, I got a lot of copy and there's business to take care of and I've got to hit these beats and et cetera, et cetera. But a big part is you are representing the viewer. You're my guide. Mm -hmm. You're like the big old camp counselor. And it is, it's your role to be asking the questions and a great host is thinking of things. Either you're like, oh my God, I was going to say that. Or it's like, oh, thanks for bringing that up. I didn't even think of that one. Yeah. I mean, those are really, really important roles. But I also want to go back to something you said about finding your voice, because I'm not sure of this, but it sounds like, is this the first time professionally somebody said, like, your voice is awesome? Other than you, um, <laughs> I did end up when I moved to LA, I, I got a few guest spots on Ease Daily Pop, which was really oh, yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. because I got to do like, you know, panel style um, conversation. And their whole thing was like, we want to hear differing opinions. Like they would, you know, give us a little chat beforehand about the topics that we were going to be discussing. And, you know, they want to hear different opinions because the viewers also have differing opinions. So if somebody has, you know, a pro opinion, maybe introduce a a con opinion. But it was really kind of like run with whatever your opinion is and back it up. And that was also great because I got the chance to be able to do that on, you know, the network that I wanted (laughs) to be on that entire time. That that time too, it was like, I, I felt like I was kind of building up to just being able to just be me and have that be my brand. And now it goes across all areas of what I do for my career. And I feel really, really lucky to be able to have built a career off of just being myself because I cannot imagine at this point being anybody else or thinking like anybody else. Like I, it's, it is such a blessing because every day we do things in life that like we, it doesn't really feel like us or it doesn't feel authentic to us or genuine for us. And I get to just 
be me and have that be good enough. And that's really, really exciting. Mm, that's what it is all about. That's what I'm talking about. It's just for, cause for many of us, depending on our experiences, how we're raised, experiences we've had professionally, you're coming out of the pageant system. Everything was just the idea that, you know, we needed the permission slip, mm-hmm. right? And to be ourselves and tap into our authentic voices without fear. And so I just think, oh, it's so great. And so as you've built this, which is amazing, well, by the way, you must get asked all the time by people, to like, you know, for your advice coming up. Oh, Yeah. You know, now looking back, anything you would have done differently? I mean, it's all a learning curve. To me, there is no such thing as failure because everything's a learning opportunity. But I meant like, you know, anything that you might have been like, oh, I could have been easier on myself or tips you would offer to one of your younger sisters. My main tip would have been to be more gentle with myself and stop trying to create some timeline that literally does not exist. Like, I don't know why I thought that I was supposed to be a world renowned TV host at 22, but I thought that I was great and (laughs) I should be, I should be on the Today Show. Like I just, I, I, at the time thought that I was running out of time and I wish that I could tell myself back then what I know now, which is that it's not on your time. Like when you are ready is when the time will come. And that's what I've realized about everything, even with, you know, now having Sports Illustrated under my belt. If I would have gotten that opportunity last year, I wouldn't have been ready for it because mentally I was in a different place. Physically, I didn't feel my strongest. Now I'm at a place where mentally and physically I feel the best that I've ever felt. And, you know, I have the maturity and I have the platform and I have the confidence to be able to be a representative of that brand for millions of people who are watching. And I don't know that I would have felt that way a year ago or two years ago. So, but it's something that I wanted. It's something that deep down, like I I wanted it. I was like, oh, that would be so cool. But I never thought that I would ever get it. But it's things will fall into your lap and the dots will connect when you are ready. And when you have all the tools that you need to be able to handle it and you just have to like trust the process and literally just go with the flow. It's something I still have to remind myself, but Mm -hmm. I have learned over the years to just trust it and just move with it because stressing about it and trying to be like super anxious, it it doesn't, it doesn't read well. Um, Everybody knows it. (laughs) Everybody can sense it. And, you know, when you're coming into an audition and you feel you're you're giving off this energy, like, I need this, I need this. Uh, probably not going to get you the job as much as like, you know what? I've worked really hard for this. I have all the tools in my toolkit to be able to do this job. I'm confident in it. Let's give it a try. Whatever happens, happens. Because in the entertainment industry, you just, you could have all the tools that you need and still not get it. There was a chance that I wasn't going to book Catfish because they were looking at somebody else. And, you know, I had told myself, like, I really, really love this job. I think it's perfect for me. I think that I would be amazing on it. But if they pass on me and they pick the other person, then it just wasn't meant for me. And the next thing that is will come. And that's just what I had to remind myself. So Mm -hmm. wait, and to that point, I also want to say, having watched those episodes, you know, because to remind people, y'all were trying out on camera, Mm -hmm. they were airing your tryouts, yeah, which um, so that has its own level of, you know, anxiety, or just, you know, putting yourself out there. But the point is, you could go back and watch those and know that you left everything in the episode. Yeah, yeah. 
and that's an amazing feeling to be able to stand by your work because then if it hadn't happened, it wasn't because of you or your work. It's like right. some other thing completely out of your control, but it's like, as you know, the goal is always just, it was all there in the episode and it was, they're really fun to go back and watch. Yeah. <laughs> they are really fun. They are really funny too. But it, I, it was interesting because like, I don't, I don't think the viewers necessarily understood that they were auditioning for Max's replacement, but even seeing, you know, the live tweets every single week when the show would come up and like seeing how they responded to me, I tried my best not to watch how they responded to the other hosts. Cause I was like, girl, don't even drive yourself insane. Just like focus on you. And you know, the fact that people were so excited when they saw that I was coming on a new episode, it felt really, really good. And I was like, okay, well, even if I don't book this full time, like at least, I developed new fan bases that will carry on into whatever my next job is if I don't get this. So, you know, just trying to remain positive. It is hard, though, because when you've worked a really long time and there are some hosts that have worked 10 years, even longer than I did before they booked, you know, a big thing, it it can be like, oh, God, like, when is this going to happen for me? But when it does, it'll be worth it. So you just got to keep, keep, keep at it. (laughs) Keep going. Well, Bevy Smith talked about it on on the podcast too, because it took her exactly seven years to land Fashion Queens. And she talked about it too. It's like, I'm so grateful she didn't quit too soon. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, what if I quit in year five or quit in year six when it's really tough? But the other thing you two have in common in that is you laser focus on your careers, but you had other things going on. Right. You know, I still have some of my Knox candles, which was one of your brands. Oh my God. Oh, I love that. I still wear my sleep tees. I, you know, (laughs) because you have to, you have to have other things to keep your mind off of the main thing that you want sometimes. Like you have to have other hobbies, other, you know, facets of your business. I am, have always been, um, I heard this word years ago and I like to use it to describe myself, even though no one has ever really heard of it. Polychronic, which means that I know it sounds kind of like a drug or something like that, but it, it basically just means that you have your hand in a bunch of different things at all times. And you like to be involved in multiple things at once. So, I'm a polychronic person and I, I like to be involved in multiple different aspects of business, which, you know, is also multiple revenue streams. So, you know, I had my lifestyle brand, which I dissolved because it was it became too difficult after I moved to L.A. and started working with Catfish. It was like I, I can't get to, you know, I was a one woman show. It was very, very hard. And I didn't have a full team then like I do now. And, you know, I also have now my podcast. I have. um you know, the modeling side of things, Sports Illustrated, I have, you know, social media brand deals and things like that, that I do on top of Catfish and full-time co-hosting for that. And, you know, whatever other smaller gigs might pop up. And I went from having, you know, being a one woman show to now having an agent and a manager and at some points a publicist. And I have an assistant who is amazing and an attorney, like a whole team of people that work on my shit all day, plus me. And I feel like a real businesswoman. And, you know, I think that also helps when you're growing, like adding people to help you because there is nothing endearing about taking on the struggle all day, every day by yourself. Like if you can have people help you out, then hire them. (laughs) That's what I've, that's what I've realized. Like you don't have to make every single reel yourself. You don't have to 
self shoot every single photo shoot that you need for your headshots. Like you, if you have the means to be able to do it, hire somebody, hire some help because you, then you can just focus on your, on your craft and it makes it a lot easier. Mm. Okay. The struggle is so real because that is one of the things that many creatives do in the building of a brand is that when you get to that really tough, tense part where you're not quite generating enough income to mm-hmm. really, you know, you're still in the one, okay, there's that. But the other thing I recommend to everyone always is have a savings account for your career mm-hmm. so that you can invest in yourself in strategic times, whatever yeah. that is, to hire people on a project basis, to create that thing that's going to lead to generating more income and to understand the difference and what, right. what that return is that you're looking for on that investment. And um, one of the great, best questions somebody taught me was to ask myself all the time, and then what? Mm-hmm. Meaning, so I start to understand what are my expectations. So if I do that thing, and then what happens after that? And then what happens? What's What's the plan moving forward? Yeah. I mean, even when I was modeling, you know, I, I found myself as I was also going to you and like doing, you know, little hosting things on the side. I found myself being on modeling sets being like, oh my God, I wish somebody would just talk to me. I wish somebody would just talk to me so that I could just like tell them what I have going on in my life. And, you know, modeling is, especially when you're shooting like e-com work, it's, it's like 200 shots in a day. They don't want to talk to you. Like we're trying to get the, <laughs> trying to get shit done over here. We don't, we don't want to have conversations with the models right now. But I, I became bored because I was like, this is not what I want to do. But guess what? This thousand bucks that I'm making on this set is going to pay for my website. It's going to pay for my reel. You know, it's a means to an end for what I need to do um, to be able to get to where I want to be. So I was hustling to (laughs) be able to make the money that I needed to make to be able to fund the goals that I had. Yeah. I mean, now I do it with with my regular bills, (laughs) which is nice. But like, you know, sometimes you just have to think of it that way. Like, okay, if I'm waitressing or if I'm bartending or if I'm who knows what I'm doing like this is what I am doing to be able to maintain security and to be able to fund x and it it makes it it makes the days go by a little bit smoother when you're doing things that you don't really love that's what I refer to as like the negotiables, the non-negotiables, the things that we have to do in our businesses. I'm with you. Like, I, uh, yeah. you know, taxes and bookkeeping. And But I actually want to go back to connection, which is our word for this episode, because what you just described, though, is keeping you connected to purpose, mm-hmm. connected to why, very connected all the time to your goals and your vision moving forward, which I think is incredible. So I'm curious, it's like, one, do you have any, you know, like daily rituals or r- things that you do to keep you connected to self when you're on a set? When I'm on a set, really, really, it's the before. So like today, um, I'm home, but tomorrow I'm flying to New Jersey, actually, to film Catfish. And I'm going to be gone for pretty much the whole work week. So I have to do everything that I have to do to set myself up to not being stressed out for the rest of the week that I'm not going to be home, you know, preparing for our podcast relationship um, airs every Friday. So I have to make sure that like I go through all of the clips and get the episode blurbs and make sure that we're set for, you know, the assets and things that we have to present to whoever our guest is, plus the podcast network that we work with. 
in preparation for Friday, I have to record all of the ad spots that we have for the week, which me even just saying that reminded me that I have to do that. Um, (laughs) And like just setting myself up properly. I usually like to go to the gym and work out with my trainer and like do the things that I need to do for myself to lighten my load while filming. Um, And then the day of filming, not really much goes into it. I don't really feel like I have to do a ton, but it is a lot of pouring into other people's cups. So, you know, at the end of it, I do like to end with a therapy session with my therapist. Um, That has made a lot of a difference for me, just being able to give myself back some of the love and attention that I give to other people on the show. Mm -hmm. Wait, something really important that you pointed out too is um, when you start to achieve your dreams, you don't become less busy. Yeah. Absolutely not. You know, and some days I'm like, oh my God, I need a day off. And then I'm like, you wouldn't even know what to do with your day off because you're always working. Like there's always something. There's always it's something. Awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's bad, but it's just Carrie Fisher years ago. I, I love this quote all the time. She's like, it's, you don't get there and suddenly you get to take a nap. No. There's no, no nap. And so <laughs> that's why I loved all about like the rituals question because it is so much about you just get busier and busier so it becomes about um self-care and Mm -hmm. it was just so wonderful the way you described all the things that go into doing your podcast and balancing that with um shooting episodes of your show etc etc so now the next question i have for you in terms of connecting and future and dreams like are you a like a manifester or a vision boarder or any of those things i made a vision board i think it was in 2019 and i think i've accomplished a lot of what was on there, but I'm, I'm definitely a manifester. I'm definitely a speaking it into an existence, speaking life into everything that I do kind of person. I am not a person who ever says if I'm a person who says when, um, because I think that it makes a difference. And, you know, even I was talking about this yesterday, but even when my friends are like, yeah, if I did it, or like if anybody in my circle says like, yeah, if I, if I get this job or if I get this promotion or if I, you know, get approved for this loan, I'm like, when, when I'm that annoying person, <laughs> like when you get approved for the loan, when you get that job, it, cause there's just something, there's just something to it. Like, you know, speak it as if it were, that's what my mom always says. That's, that's how I, that's how I go about it. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. I keep that. It's actually taped on my um, on a post on my computer monitor that says "Act as if it's happening." And I'm a big believer in the power of the I am statement. So, along with that, um, anything you want to share that you're dreaming of, considering all the things you now really actually have accomplished in ten years, which is pretty darn amazing. Yeah, I, a lot has happened, but there's still so much more that I want to do. And that's the other thing about like reaching your goals you just get new goals. Like (laughs) there's just more goals. So that's why even when people are like, you know, I'm thankful to have so many people looking up to me and supporting me, but they're like, you've made it. And I'm like, I still got more ways to go. Like there's still a lot of things that I want to do. I'm really, really proud of myself. And I'm finally at a place, you know, at 29 where I can say that I'm really proud of everything that I've done. I remember even when we were working together, I was constantly, what did you call it? Not like speaking down on myself, but what's the word? Oh, self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. You were like, stop yeah. self-deprecating. But it was because I I wasn't confident in where I was. Like I felt I it didn't was so have- so apologetic. Too, way too apologetic. Ugh, who was that? Who was she? No, I have but no as women, we do, we do it so much. Yeah, all the time. Oh, all gosh, the time. I'm and 
it it felt like a way of humbling myself so that people would receive me humbly instead of receiving me as a beauty queen who, you know, models and like wants to be on TV. Like it, it felt like the safe way to present myself. And I've realized that there is no safe way to present yourself. People are going to hate it regardless. So you might as well just come with what you got. So um, I don't even know what I was going on to say, <laughs> but I just feel, you know, that I, I still have things that I want to do and I still have goals that I want to reach. I feel long-term that I want to be the person that when you walk into Target, you see my face everywhere. So you see me in the home section, you see me in the baby section, you see me in the beauty section. Like I want to have a line of all the things throughout all of Target. That's my goal. Oh, wait. Okay. I can't wait to have Kim Crawford <laughs> everywhere. So wait, can, can you just share a little bit like what that looks like to you? Like what are your colors? What are your fabrics? Oh, everything is going <laughs> to be for sure along the same lines of like my brand colors now, which is like blush pink, beige, white, browns, um, very much mm. all the colors of pretty much everything that I do is like the same, same color palette. Um, but I don't know, like I love home things. I love golds. I love, and it's also something that I would be able to do like with my mom because she is obsessed with home decor and interior design. Um, so I would love to do that. And then like, as far as beauty, I'm getting asked every single day about beauty stuff. So why not have my own line of something? I want everything. I want it all. That's, that's what's next for me. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'm going to end it there because it's actually a start. But you know what I mean? Yes. We'll pause in uh -huh. a sense and to be continued into the awesomeness of having it all. I yes. can't tell you like what a um like a full circle moment that is. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And I can't wait till your Sports Illustrated is released. I'm so excited for that. I can't I honestly it's it's still a shock. Can are you allowed to tell us where you were where you shot? Yeah, we shot in St. Croix. It was in St. Croix, US Virgin Islands. Um, it was intense. It was like 4 a.m. call times, shooting all day, no clothes. I had sand in places that a woman <laughs> should not have sand. Um, <laughs> it was insanity. But I it was another experience where I was like, oh my God, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like it felt very natural. The team is incredible. And it just felt like, I, like I'm prepared for this. This is, this is what I deserve to, to be a part of. Um, and their brand is just so aligned with mine that I just, just like, this is, this is it. This is the next one. <laughs> it's the best feeling. That is beautiful. I love and adore you. Love thank you, you so much, Cammy. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. Please visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Mm -hmm.